Lighting is personal. Lighting emits a personal response. To me, lighting is kind of like music. It really plays on the senses. Um, you know, lighting can excite you. Lighting can, can put you in a bad mood. You're listening to episode 26 of the Happy Space podcast. And today we're talking about what's new in lighting and its effect on human performance with Craig Bowler of Home Depot Canada. Welcome to the Happy Space Podcast, where productivity meets inclusivity, and everyone gets things done. Hello, I'm Claire Kumar, highly sensitive executive coach, speaker, and your host. Studies show that diversity leads to better business outcomes. So doesn't it make sense to invite everyone's richest contribution? Yet too many people are invited to burn out or opt out, and we are squandering talent. On this show, we'll explore a two-part solution. Part one, cultivating sustainable performance, the individual design of work and life to preserve our energy so we can keep contributing. And two, designing inclusive performance, the design of spaces, cultures, products, and services which invite the richest participation. I hope you enjoy these conversations and find inspiration and encouragement for everyone deserves a happy space. You may have heard me talk about lighting over the weeks and months of the podcast. And uh, it's been something that I've had to pay attention to because a few years ago, I recognized that for me to see bright white lighting, and this was generally LED lighting, and I first recognized it in studio lighting in the context of a very dark um, surrounding ambient lighting and just studio lights. I realized that for me triggered a migraine, which really started me paying much more attention to the quality of light that I was surrounding myself with. I've always been someone who loves sunlight and really motivated to get a lot of light. So it wasn't getting light that was the challenge. It was around the time and the quality of light, the time of day and the quality of light and the context that I was in. So when I met Craig Bowler at the, there was a Home Depot media event. I was uh, doing a media tour and working with Home Depot and I got to go to their spring media event and meet a few of the people who work on the team. And I met Craig and we had in that room an amazing conversation. And I knew right then, given his expertise, his love of lighting and what it can do for us, that I wanted to bring his insights to you. So please, I hope you enjoy this conversation. We explore the history of lighting and a bit of the evolution over the past 20 years. We explore what new lighting developments are on offer and how the Home Depot can help you understand what they are. And we also explore some of where we think lighting ought to go. And I'm excited for the conversation that's, that uh, Craig is going to have with his suppliers. I'm excited to have perhaps ignited a spark and maybe where some of those conversations can go. I think that as highly sensitive people in particular who are sensitive to light, if we can be vocal about what our needs are and curious, perhaps we can invite more vendors and suppliers to give us what we need. So please, without further ado, have a, an enjoyable listen to my conversation with Craig. Hi, Craig. I was so thrilled to have you joining me today and for our listeners to tune into the importance of lighting in the way they shape their space. It contributes to a happy space in so many ways through well-being and also setting mood. And there's just so much I'm excited to talk to you about, in large part because my own journey with lighting has been around being highly sensitive and being really starting to tune into it because of health challenges, migraines in particular with LED lighting. So I've been really trying to do my best and learn. And when I met you and we had a fabulous first conversation, I thought, I want to bring your insights uh, to the podcast. So thank you so much for joining me. I want to kick off with a question for you around what you've noticed at, in the lighting evolution since you've been in your role. What, what are you noticing and where are we today with, with the options of lighting that we have? 
Well, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me today, Claire. Really appreciate you taking the time to to talk about our world of lighting. And it's uh, it's so much more, like you mentioned, than just providing light to a space. We've learned so much more about what lighting has, what lighting can do, not only to the decor of a space, but the um, uh, what it does to to you personally. And you know, like, sounds like you've got a great story in and around your uh, um, your interaction with lighting and how it affects you. Um, and some of that ultimately is, you're right, has been the technology change that we've seen, I'd say over the last two decades. When you think about lighting in the past, it was um, good old incandescent light bulbs. That's kind of what we all grew up with. There wasn't, there wasn't uh, many styles, designs. You didn't have any options. Um, you know, you had specialty bulbs, things like halogen and, and all of those really non-good for the environment types of lighting solutions. They, yes, they burn bright, they burn hot, uh, but they weren't necessarily providing um, uh, solutions other than just providing the type of light you needed. As lighting's changed over the years, we've evolved getting rid of those incandescent bulbs and fixtures. We adopted fluorescence and compact fluorescence for many, many years and realized, hey, yes, the lighting's getting better, but we're still not at a great spot in terms of sustainability with, uh, with, with, with lighting, light bulbs, light fixtures as well. And then, uh, you know, about 15 years ago, is we started to hear the term LED. A lot of people didn't know what LED was, starting to see it integrated into fixtures, into light bulbs. Um, the first LED light bulb I ever saw didn't even look like a light bulb. Um, yet here we are talking about, hey, this is the new, the next big thing in, in, in lighting. At the time, LED light bulbs were close to $100 a bulb and really not attainable for the average customer or consumer to really reap the benefits of that. Um, uh, over the last 10 years, I think we've seen the cost of LED come down um, so much that it really is, it is, it's the bread and butter of kind of what lighting is today. When you think about also then the functionality that we've been able to achieve with LED, um, 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 changing color temperatures and things like that. That's where we're really now starting to tune in to kind of, you know, adapting light to really personalize it, to maximize what lighting can do. It's not just light in the space. It actually does have, um, a personal and health potential health benefits as well to customers of how they interact with light on a daily basis. And I think that's what we need to think about when you think of lighting is there's light and then there's lighting. And although, you know, it's, uh, I'm out there buying lighting all day long, mostly light fixtures, I do have to really think about the type of light that we buy or how it integrates with our consumer. Because nowadays, unlike 20 or 30 years ago, we have fixtures that have LED, have that technology built right into it. There's no need for replacement bulbs. There's no mm -hmm. need to um, maintain it, um, which, which is convenient for the customer. And then... Um, as, like I said, technology has now as a, as, has a, a, uh, allowed us to get ahead of giving some control of that light to the customer. So the customer can purchase an LED light fixture, but let's say they don't like a soft white or a, a low color temperature. They want something a little bit brighter. A lot of our fixtures now um, are made so that the customer with a simple toggle of a switch as they're installing these fixtures can adjust that to their personal preference. Um, and I think that's the exciting part about really where we are today in the lighting world. Lighting is personal. Lighting emits a personal response. To me, lighting is kind of like music. It really plays on the senses. Um, you know, lighting can excite you. Lighting can, can put you in a bad mood. Lighting can give you migraine headaches, like you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think a lot of people, um, narrow it down to lighting as the source of their um, how they're feeling, uh, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, I think we've only ever looked at lighting in, in, in one way. So we're really at a point where to understand, um, um, you know, where, where our, our customers can, can, can take that and ad adapt that to their personal lifestyle of what suits their needs and, um, and, and, and what's, what's going to make them feel good as well. Over the last while as well, we've seen the adaptation and integration of smart. We are seeing smart in everything, whether it's, you know, it's thermostats to control um, uh, climate to whether it's uh, light fixtures as well. But the thing with smart now, smart truly allows the customer to now dial that in, dial in that personalization, whether it's something as simple as um, 
uh, pre, uh, some automation with timers or special mm-hmm. settings so that lights will come on and off. That could be done for a variety of reasons. Security is one. I know I'm not home. I can have lighting turn on or off. Mm-hmm. Back to the health benefits now. There are a lot of smart lighting platforms which have taken that into account. Um, one of the lighting platforms we carry at Home Depot is Philips Hue. Philips mm-hmm. Hue is a smart lighting platform, which they we sell fixtures, but mostly bulbs uh, in this case, that um, uh, with the simple download of an app and, and connection to your home Wi-Fi, this allows customers, like I said, to, um, to, uh, to take those enhanced benefits. And they've done a great yeah. job at actually thinking about the health benefit of the consumer who's, um, um, uh, who's working in their platform or app. Um, things like circadian rhythm, understanding that different types of light at different times of day that can constantly changing based on what your action or activity is, um, has a longer term positive health benefit um, on a consumer than just sitting under the same type of light all day. Um, there's a reason, you know, the daylight is bright, you know, what it's and, and, and we feel different at night. It's the different types of light and yeah. light temperature that we have. And in our world, we're starting to hear our customers talk more about light temperature. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, I try and get into our stores and talk to our customers as, as, as often as I can, like the, uh, that real life belly to belly feedback. And when you ask them, you know, what they're looking for, which you want to qualify a customer, you know, what type of light um, 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 do you have currently? What type of activities are you doing? Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's different reasons a customer needs a different type of light or lighting solution. Um, and then we can kind of get to what that ultimate solution is, is, uh, is what, is it a new bulb for a fixture that you have, or do you light it differently? Do you need a whole new fixture just based on your project or your space or your overall need? Um, because then you can really start to tie in not only the, um, the benefits of the light itself, but then the decorative element. I think sometimes we fail to realize decorative lighting um, is actually the jewel of, uh, 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 of that space that you're in. It's a fashion category that we're in. And uh, I think when you blend kind of fashion and, and, and wellness together, you've, mm-hmm. you've got a really captive customer and captive audience. But we also need to educate those customers as well, too. And, um, you know, customers are starting to understand Kelvin and color temperature and some of the language that we're talking about. Um, that seems so technical sometimes, but when you really break it down for the customer, um, um, they, they begin to understand it. So gone are the days where our customers were saying, hi, I'm looking for soft white. I have customers now coming in saying, hey, I'm looking for something about 2,500, 2,700 Kelvin, uh-huh. um, which, which shows that they've, they put the time and understanding into knowing what color temperature is doing for them, what, what their, what their potential need and, and, and use for it is. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah. What, what percentage of clients do you think have this awareness about color temperature? Do you have a sense? Today's episode of the Happy Space podcast is sponsored by ClaireKumar.com. With sensitivity, curiosity, and courage, I serve three groups asking the tough questions that lead to meaningful answers. Number one, I coach ambitious leaders to design for well-being and achieve next-level work-life integration. Number two, I mic drop thought bombs, that's bombs as in B-A-L-M-S, in keynotes and workshops, helping organizations achieve the business imperative that is inclusivity. And three, I collaborate with brands concerned with respect for well-being on product design, marketing, and PR. If any of this piqued your interest, come find me at clairekumar.com. I'd love to speak with you. Designing inclusive performance together will lead to the richest results. So it's, it's, we're not 100% there yet. We're, mm-hmm. um, we're still in the early, adop- early adopter phase of that or that transition phase, I guess. Um, it wasn't long ago we had customers still talking at Candle Power, but uh, um, um, it's great to see that there's customers out there who are investing the time and energy to learn about um, uh, to, to learn about the, what, what goes into making good light and good light output. And it's yeah. funny, um, how, you know, some of it's personal preference, but some of it is they've, they've realized over time, the, like I said, the use case, they've grown up yeah. using nothing but soft white type bulbs. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered why my hair looked a mess or my, uh, my, my wife's makeup was, uh, was all off is because the light just wasn't the right light for the type of space that we were in. Um, yeah. And like I said, now, now you can really 
personalize that for what you need. If I'm tasking and I'm in my garage, um, yeah. I probably need something a whole lot brighter that's going to give me um, a, a true reflection of a daylight or an outside. But if I'm, you know, looking to wind down the end of the night or I'm in a low lit space where I'm trying to set some ambience and in a more quieter space, I probably will want something a little bit softer. Everybody's a bit different. And there is some, some like I said, some, some science behind it um, in terms of those, um, um, that, that, that melanopic response that our customer, that our, that people have and understanding that everybody will absorb and, 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 and take in light differently. And the chemical response that the body actually has on the light is completely different from customer to customer. Mm. But you meant, you mentioned earlier, um, um, a higher Kelvin or higher light putter LED light specifically as giving you migraine headaches. And that's the number one thing I hear from a lot of customers as to um, their first experience with, with understanding it's light that's making this change or difference in them mm. physiologically. Yeah. Um, they never, they never took into account over the years of, of, of different light sources, but it really is with yeah. the evolution of LED light that we've got there. I'm, I want to just pause there for a second because you took us through the beautiful history and just yeah. for people that have lighting out there that is maybe not the newest and the LED sure. lighting, fluorescent lighting, I know, has a flicker to it. And so children in educational environments, I know some would be agitated by fluorescent yeah. lighting. So I'm thinking, I'm wondering if we can just go back to the history for just a second and talk about with LED lighting now, for me, it's color temperature that I'm okay. sensitive to, but it's, and, and we'll get to melanopic versus um, photopic ratio, photopic. That, that piece. But I wanted to talk about flicker as well, because that's something that uh, is prevalent. I know with uh, fluorescent lighting, does that exist in other light forms as well? Or is that something particular? Is there a flicker to some degree with LED? Because I think I've read that as well. Maybe you can talk to me just about that piece for, for a second. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, flick, flickering is uh, a lot of people think when there's a flicker to their light, there's something wrong with the light itself, to be honest. Um, some of this comes down to education. I think fluorescent, um, true fluorescent tubes and fluorescent lighting that ran off a of ballast previously um, yes, it, because it is a gas and the way it kind of lit up and, and made that connection, um, over time, if it wasn't performing properly or wasn't connected properly, it would cause that, that, that flicker some mm. more, sometimes more pronounced than others with led. Um, yes, we do see flicker sometimes, but generally Claire, the flicker is not a result of the light itself. Um, depending on how the light is connected, specifically if it's on a dimmer, yeah. A non-compatible dimmer. A lot of customers um, uh, nowadays love making the upgrade to say LED. They understand the um, the energy benefits, the convenience, the low yeah. maintenance, and long lasting. However, they fail to realize sometimes that hey, there, maybe their existing hardware, meaning their switches and their their dimmers, are older and not compatible with the technology today. So. There are some considerations you need to take as you do upgrade or update your lighting. Mm -hmm. It's no, no different than updating. Um, as you'd update some of your hardware with say a computer over the years, as they do become dated and create that compatibility. So they do work seamlessly mm -hmm. and to their, uh, uh, to their, to their premium to how, how they should. Yeah, because the the flicker is one thing. The other thing that comes with a non-compatible dimmer switch is a buzz. Right? Yeah. Right? So getting the light bulb to match the dimmer is absolutely critical. And then making sure it's comfortable for your eyes. I know I I worked with a designer when I bought this condo and their recommendation was still halogen uh, lighting, light bulbs. Yep. And I know they give off a lot of heat. But nope. so far, personally, I've found that to be the most pleasing combination so far. Can, do you know why that is? Uh, it's just the, 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 the type of light that you're right, halogen burns quite, quite, it burns hot and burns quite bright. But mm -hmm. the type of light that it puts out, it is a still a, it, it's a very functional, uh, very functional light, but still lower on the, on, on the, on the color temperature kind of spectrum. Yeah. Uh, when, when we think color spectrum from like we talked about earlier, Kelvin and temperature, you really range from a lower end of say 2,500, which is more of your yellows and more of your softer. It's really going to give a softer look to other colors in the space as well and very relaxing. And then you start to move up in increments, um, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. We actually have some fixtures and bulbs now, which are reaching 7,000 Kelvin plus. 
And uh, wow. these are super, super bright. The, you know, I, I don't see a lot of use for these in, uh, in, in home or residential. Definitely mm -hmm. some commercial applications here. And, uh, and having that range for a really bright, almost that sterile blue look to it. Mm -hmm. And that's really what, like I said, LED has kind of taken us to today. Um, but yeah, based on the type of light, you'll get the different type of output. And halogen still being a gas is always going to burn at that. Um, burns hot, but at a lower color temperature. So it's almost like burning yeah. a match, I guess. Burns hot, but has a yeah. very specific color output to it. Well, and there's also light bounces differently. I remember when I was installing closet lighting, it, fluorescent was a good choice because it bounced everywhere. Yep. Right. So it really filled the space. Whereas where are LEDs in rel relative to fluorescent lighting in terms of how the light disperses? Is that is that a fair yeah, question? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And you know, a lot of customers love the dispersion of how fluorescent tubes or fluorescent lighting mm. used to put out. You're right, the dispersion of light. So with the technology now moving to LED, they've maintained that still how it's presented and whether it's in linear tubes or smaller. Mm -hmm. So it has the same look and feel and output of the fluorescent yet just with the LED technology. So that's where you can kind of truly blend some of the um, uh, what's what's been working through the industry with the updates in technology. So you don't lose a lot in transition. And most places I've seen um, definitely a lot of most commercial places, office spaces, schools, mm -hmm. um, they still have those, what those, uh, those fixtures up, but they've, they've relamped uh, a lot of places to become yes. LED. Once again, energy efficient, save time, save money, uh, money, uh, just more sustainable, but with that same light, um, kind of output, um, that that's, that's needed for the space. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when I've um, had some interaction with LED lights. There are some that are working for me fine. And yep. there's what I was telling you, I bought an outdoor patio lighting recently, not from the Home Depot. So my apologies and <laughs> my mistake, apparently. But it was LED lighting in an Edison type fixture. So you could see an enlarged filament, essentially, yeah. you know, like, and even though, uh, from my understanding, L the LED to warm up the color temperature, there's a layer of phosphorus that's put on, which is yellow, which I, I believe erodes over time as well. But Correct. it's there and that gives the color. Now, those lights, maybe because the light bulb is the filament is so exposed, I found those fatiguing to my eyes compared to an incandescent Edison fixture, which I was like, oh, my, my eyes can relax. And I wasn't sure what was going on there because I was so excited to find 2,700 Kelvin LED <laughs> lights. I was so excited. And yeah. then I was like, I can't, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't live with these. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 that, and that's exactly it. As you know, an LED is, is mimicking the old filament style. <laughs> um, you know, some of the original LED diodes were just that. They were just a small little, you almost look like a mechanical square diode in a lot of bulbs, which right away produced that very blue light. That, the old Christmas back. lights. That's what that's, we that's, saw. Was the that's first exactly. Light, light, Christmas lights. And it was like, what's this? Especially that's at exactly night. exactly it. Yes. Right? And, and a lot of people right away were turned off by that and wanted mm -hmm. to come back to Home Depot and buy. And I'm using Christmas lights as the example here. They wanted yeah. incandescent. They're like, no, I want that light back. Yes. And that type of feedback really spurred on the industry to how do we get to a space where huh. we can take that look and feel. And you're right. We're taking LED um um, bulbs now and wrapping with phosphorus filament. Yes, it's been yellow to try and get that color effect, but it's never been perfect. And a mm -hmm. lot of customers don't like that look and feel. Um, where we're at today is a lot of companies, uh, we're, we're actually one of the first to launch a white filament, um, which um, a phosphorus, phosphorus wrap in a white filament, which will burn slightly differently, more of a natural look and feel, but also then think about it too, when the fixture is actually off, you don't have that detraction of, hey, what's that yellow look in my fixture? Because yeah. lighting's just as important off as it is on. Remember, we talked about it as a yes. decorative category. So you got to look at it um, as well. Believe um, me, that was a big concern. Do I want <laughs> lights hanging from my patio or not? Because yeah, they're there in the in the daylight too. And it yeah. has to look appealing. Yeah. You yeah. got it. You got it. So, but did, and the technology is still continuing to advance. It's not like yeah. LED has stopped. It's you know, and it seems on, on an annual basis, we're hearing something new in LED, you know, innovation will, will, will always be there, but yeah. um, we're at a point now where a lot of customers have um, purchased LED bulbs or made the transition to LED fixtures over the years. And most mm -hmm. people did it with the energy savings and sustainability piece in mind. 
Yes. But that being said, because LED lives so long, well, how do you get, how do you let customers know and get them that they still should be replacing them with the new features and benefits and updates and upgrades as well? And as yeah. you just mentioned, we were sold. It's going to last right. 20 years or my, <laughs> one, my desk fixture, 60 years. Right. <laughs> really? So yeah. Yeah. You'll never replace it. So I, it's a Dyson light fixture and it's 60 years that it's, That's... that it's guaranteed to last. Yeah. And that's I'm what like, we see. I'm 20, not going to be around or... here. To... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. But as, as LED technology advances, there'll still be reason to want to update or upgrade, whether it's a trend or a style, mm -hmm. um, whether it's, like I said, advancements in bulb technology and yeah. light output um, and, and, and just use cases. And you go back to just how light is output, um, mm. just even designing a space and thinking about that. And, and I think functional lights and workspace and, by recessing a light, you're going to get a different yes. light look than if you have a flush mount fixture. And um, um, so all of that goes into account in what type of light do I need? I think we need to think about light for the space, what the space needs, but then what do I need as well and, 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 and dialing it in. And, that's uh, that's uh, right. And offering that ability to customize lighting. Uh, yeah. So if you have a family, it's to understand who's in the family, what are the tasks and then what are the sensitivities and preferences that that person has as well? I, I, you mentioned um, when we were talking earlier about advances in, in almost legislation, what's happening yes. south of the border. And I really want to talk about that. I, I live in a condo complex and there's four towers here. The fourth tower that went up has a gym on the top floor. And they have LED lighting on 24-7. And what I was told was that it's more efficient to keep the LED lighting on than to turn it on and off. That will actually wear it out faster than to leave it on. So the people opposite that lighting, three stories worth of lighting, have bright LED light at a colder color temperature because it's generally for exercising in the day where Correct. you want bright energetic light. They have that 24-7. I, I think it's a... a absolute crime. So I'm curious, what are you noticing? I also live across yeah. from another condo tower, 37 at least podium lights that when I was on the 20th floor, I'm now on the 43rd, they would keep me up at night. I have to sleep with the hood to, 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 to block it out, to block yeah. the light because it was so much light being diffused. And we live across from a park. It's not great for wildlife. It's not great for seeing the sky. Talk to me about what you're noticing because you're more up to date on it yeah. than I am. I was thrilled I, to, to hear that. And and this is really a big problem. And yes, LED has become very inexpensive to make uh, and to output and to make very bright. And it, it's almost become limitless. But the problem it's created is unfortunately a, a lot of unneeded light pollution. Um, you know, it seems like we can put LED lights in anything nowadays. I was buying a oh bicycle gosh. with my kids the other day and LED yeah. bicycle seat was an option. Like it almost seems we're putting light in places that we don't need and sometimes overutilizing light. But it is creating a uh, a light pollution problem. Well, yeah, and just picking up on that, I brought a humidifier for the room, which you're going to run at night while you're sleeping. <laughs> you don't sleep. want extra light while you're <laughs> sleeping. Like all of the smoke detectors, the first thing I do in yeah. a hotel room is cover all the everything. You, you know? got it. You yeah. got it. And and where this has gone is think about a lot. And it's, it actually started not just in the cities, but more in the smaller towns, first of all, where they were used to really dark nights. And just by introducing a small amount of brighter light, it was noticeable difference. Mm. Um, so, you know, voices became louder, um, light, uh, it, it expanded from smaller towns to larger communities uh, to a point where governments in the U.S. did have to step in. And in a lot of cases, they have what they call dark sky legislation now. Um, it's starting to get off the ground in certain, um, in certain states. Um, it will be moving um, um, into Canada as well. Um, over the next couple of years where there will be limits on the amount of light and light output you can provide in certain spaces at times. Yes, a lot of this is going to be more in the residential spaces, mm. um, but that's where our customers are, you know, when they're not kind of in the city at work and they've all commuted back home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we, we need to help our customers be conscious of the amount of light pollution that they're contributing to. So a lot of this legislation will, will, um, will focus on um, today when I think about outdoor lighting, we have a lot of up-down type lighting. There'll be limits to the type of light that you can provide or the light output that you can provide in certain type of lights um, um, to keep that light pollution um, at a minimum or at a reasonable level. 
Can you um, can you give us a, some thought of what that is for listeners who are here? Like, I don't want to wait yeah. for legislation. I want to <laughs> do the right thing now. What would, do you know what that looks like? Yeah. It, well, so it's 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 not so much it, it's it's causing I think our suppliers to think differently, specifically about how they design. They don't want to necessarily limit the light capabilities that a customer needs. It's how do they deliver it in a different way? So thinking about how the light is diffused, mm-hmm. right? So in some cases, um, um, you know, is it more um, more etching on a glass or more uh, 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 a diffused state so that you're not producing as much um, overspill of light but still getting the amount of light that you use? Um, putting things like um, ang- uh, tops on angles for up lights versus mm-hmm. leaving them completely exposed, right? which provide yeah. more directional light. Um, yeah. Really allowing the customer, once again, more personal control about truly what you're lighting up and what your needs are versus just lighting up what you need and yeah. then lighting up Claire's window at the same time as well, all night long, keeping yeah. you up. Well, <laughs> in Toronto, we, you know, I talked to bylaw officers around lighting about this podium, right? It's on the fourth, fifth level. I was on the 20th floor. They did not consider that to be direct lighting. Like, do you understand how light works? It's, it's, it's traveling in a direct line from that podium up 17 stories and into my eyes. No, sorry, that doesn't count. (laughs) So, right. There's, there's a gotta be a real catch up of legislation to protect humans and nature from technology advancements. I was reading building code because I nerd out on this stuff, Ontario building code. We only had guidance around light minimums for safety. Minimum wattage required, right? And it was small because there was a naturally prohibitive element because of pricing, because lighting was expensive. Now that that's gone, we need to be saved from ourselves. So I I look at the work you're doing as a strategic thinker and merchant (laughs) in lighting to be someone who can really guide us as consumers to make more thoughtful choices. And you're going to be helping bring us those solutions. Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. And that's why, what, that's what excites me, like I said, is the innovation and in, in, in how we have to think about solutions for these problems. Sometimes solutions are not as cut and dry as, oh, add this, remove that, change that. We need to adapt to the need because there's there's, there was obviously a need for the light or lighting solution to begin with, but mm. it's produced another problem. So um, that's where, like I said, the, yeah. this is where innovation comes from. So um, you know, what is the next big thing? I, I, I don't know. But as this continues, there's more adoption behind this. There's more of a voice. More people are crying out now saying, hey, light pollution is a problem. We didn't have that problem 10 or 15 years ago. Was, we just want bigger and brighter. But now it's that same customer realizing, whoa, we're just we're too bright. How do we dial it back? Well, we don't want to go backwards in terms of the um, the technology. Mm. So it's it's the other pieces that we we think about, like I said, it's how we diffuse light better, how we direct light better, um, how yeah. we work more on automation and timers as well, too. And like I said, let's let's yeah. be smart about things. The capabilities yeah. are there now to automate some of these things. Um, um, there's there's uh, proximity infrared sensors nowadays that will um, that will dim up and dim down based on um, customer traffic. So if a light is yeah. needed. We know it can, we can have it dim up when the customer or the person is there and needs the light, but when they exit the space or leave, we can have that light dim down automatically, mm. um, whether that's with smart lights, whether that's with sensor lights. Um, so there's so many different options that we can think about to be considerate of mm-hmm. how we use light mm. and then how, like I said, how we all contribute to, to, to light pollution in some way, shape or form. It's not just leaving a light on, it's um, what the light is doing once you've left the light on. Um, is what we need to kind of think about. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, the same customers coming to you saying there's too much light. And I wonder about that because we live in this hustle culture, which says more and louder and brighter and faster yeah, is better. Right? And in my condo, for example, they switched out all the 3000 Kelvin, which is <laughs> starting to always be cool, already be cool light cool in our light, lobby, yeah. which is total white tile environment. And they switched it to 4,000, which is even brighter and cooler, in large part, I think, because one of our board members happens to work in shopping malls. And so in a shopping mall, you want your customers alert. You want them to stay wide awake and be going and spending money, right? They can go in sage for an ambient, (laughs) um, you know, great smelling, misted experience. But in the mall, you don't want them falling asleep in that lounge chair while someone's shopping. You want them to shop. So I see the misapplication 
um, because I think preference is is diverse. Mm-hmm. How do we get to a place where we're being more sensitive in in general and inviting people to understand that more is not always better? And and that and that's I think that's the uh, the million dollar question, Claire. To be honest. Uh, obviously, I you know I look after business right across Canada, and uh-huh. you know we break it down provincially and, and 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 by demographic and see who's buying what and using what. And from a light bulb perspective, which is kind of a good indication, um, it's funny Western Canada uh, for the longest time, and I say Western Canada, I'm going to say from Manitoba to to British Columbia, um, was predominantly daylight and bright white. They were trending towards the the higher and brighter end of the spectrum, and it was almost a fifty fifty split. You get to Ontario and Ontario, Quebec and Atlantic Canada was almost the other half soft white, that, that lower light temperature. So a very contrasting difference, but we've seen that trend move more towards the East. We're starting customers. You're right. They, they are getting into brighter. And I think the customer is doing it because the capabilities there, not because they're truly understanding hmm. what the light application or the light output will actually can actually do. And I think that's the biggest piece overall. It's just education to our, to the, to the consumer today, not even just our mm. customers, consumers in general mm. around, um, um, the types of lights, when to use a certain type of light, how to use it and potentially what the, the effects of the light can be. Yes. Um, yeah. Like I said, if I'm tasking, um, I'm working in my office, um, like you said earlier, I need to be energized or pumped up. I do want a, a brighter white, something that's higher color temperature. Unless the- you're working in the evening. Okay, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're working okay. in the evening, right? I use F.Lux on my computer. So okay. I have to make sure that I do any design work in the day if I want to <laughs> see the colors because my computer goes orange and red at night, right? Two hours before sunset or, or right around sunset, actually with the sunset, it's, yep. it's, oh. it's, it's modulating. And so my daughter's like, what happened? I can't do anything here. But I cannot work now on a computer that's where that's not happening. I, I'm just like, oh, dear God, that, that, that light's well, too much. So yeah, th- there's an education element here. And this is where I want to come specifically to the total nerding out part here, melanopic slash photopic ratio, because I followed a rabbit hole. I followed, I don't know if you're, you're probably aware in the US, the a- American Medical Association had put out guidance saying, the street lights are causing a problem with this bright yeah. LED, right? And then I followed t- a couple of lighting experts th- that were talking about, well, you can't actually use color temperature as the sole measure for exactly the wavelengths that are being emitted. And I follow Dr. Semer Hatar, who is the gentleman that discovered the intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglial cells in your eye that are not <laughs> meant to be receiving light from above, you know, in the evening. And so I've followed these rabbit holes and not under, I'm going to say, I did not understand everything I read for sure. <laughs> but I did come with the feeling that if we had a light package, which told us that the ratio was safe for circadian rhythm, that that ratio was safe. I have not seen a light package with that ratio on it. What's what's going on that we're not being given the information to make that educated decision? Help help me, Craig. <laughs> I, I I think part of that you're right is it's a lot for 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 the regular consumer to kind of understand that but i think on the simplest term and will 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 the industry ever get there i think at some point they will i think we'll think of different ways to communicate it to the customer though that's easily digestible because you're right if we start putting terms like melanopic and photopic on a i think on a product package i think it's over a lot of customers uh customers heads we talk about it being physiology friendly that's what we need Human to get physiology to. friendly, right? This is good for before bed. This is yes. good, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's the type of language we should actually should be talking. And to break it down for, for for anyone listening as well as you know, what the melanopic is is the response that the body's producing um, in terms of how you're perceiving that type of light, um, how blue you're perceiving a type of light. That is why when LED first came out, there was some customers or some consumers just saying, "Whoa, that's way too blue." But some other people looking at the same light may have not have seen it as blue as the next person. Right. It's they're very sensitive then to the melanopic reaction based on the type of light, the phototopic 
which is the type of light that it, it is producing and the melanopic is the response. Mm. Um, so as customers understand that piece and the, and the interaction, and I think you just said it in a great way of, Hey, great light for bedtime, great light for studying, great light for exercising. I think once we can kind of find a range sure. of what really because everyone physiologically is different, what type of range suits those type of activities in a way that can kind of be digested. Yeah. And that's where I always suggest to customers to try different light types. You don't mm. know until you try. And, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's the capability now to buy a light bulb or a light fixture mm. that will allow you to change the color temperature in steps of um, up to three, five, even seven different color temperatures. Mm -hmm. And you would be surprised at the um, responses you get back um, after trying those. Um, you know what, there's, there's, I, I go back and think, but we just came out of a long winter. I think there was six or seven weeks we didn't see the sun. Seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And the, um, the physiological response just on light, when the first day of sun comes out, there's a reason we all want to get outside. Mm -hmm. um, and soak that in. It's, it's the, the natural response to light, mm -hmm. but everybody will respond to a type of light slightly differently. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's that kind of, that's that melatonin balance or imbalance in some people, um, that, that elicits a specific response, some more than others of how they take that in. That's why we talk a lot about, and I know, you know, and I'm not in the computer industry, but blue light with computer and, yeah. um, is, is exactly, that's exactly it. The type, the phototopic light that a computer outputs has such a, um, a response, um, on us based on how you perceive that blue light. That really is the blue end of the spectrum, um, yeah. that, 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 that affects us. Um, you know, a lot of people nowadays have, have taken on to light therapy specifically, you know, there are products out there that we sell um, uh, online and in store, um, at Home Depot, happy light, right. Where you can actually yeah. just sit down in front of it, pre program it. Um, you know, it is a thing. And I know, I know people who are, um, um, um religiously will be like, Hey, I need my light therapy this week. Or I, I need yeah. some time in the sun. Yeah. Um, and, I've been talking and, and... about it for years. I, I was actually involved <laughs> in a U of T study back in 1995. Yeah. With some of the first light therapy, which was this big fixture. And I would sit under it and before I went to work. So what was really challenging about that, it was dark all around me with this brilliantly bright light. And it's what I love about happy light, small footprint can have it on my desk. And it's, it can be, it can be light around me because that's like, I work from home now. I'm not doing light <laughs> therapy at 6.30 in the morning before getting on a subway. Well, uh, that's done. But yeah, very powerful. Um, I, I have to ask you before I come to, and I want you to, to talk about how much of this experience people can get in the store. I want to finish yeah, with that yeah. point. I want to ask you, and this may be something you can talk about or not, headlights in cars. So I was, I just have a rental car. I had a car accident a couple of weeks ago. And not only were the headlights coming at me, very cold color temperature for me, yep. and also very bright. In this particular vehicle, oh my gosh, the display, I was driving with my hand like this. And like, so I did not have to see the display because it was also too cold. Yeah. And I thought, I don't even know where in the manual I can figure out if I can change the color temperature, <laughs> but I bet you I can't. Um, and I can't even change my microwave right now because the new fixtures all are having LED fixtures built in and they're cold and I know it will trigger a headache for me. So I'm like, oh, yep. I'm stuck with a broken microwave. So I, 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 so tell me about what's happening, if you know anything about the cars, because I really want to be talking to, I really need the research for the sensitive. I know what migraine suffers are about 18% of people, 11% yep. women, 7% men. And I know highly sensitive people are around 19%. And I think, honestly, we're being thrown under the bus here or under the car, <laughs> the LED driven car. What, what do you know about this? And if, is there... Is this something you can talk to at all? Or do I yeah, need to get I, the car person here? I, I think, I, to be honest, I don't know much about the car regulations and, mm. and, and even, uh, even pieces or products that they're using internally. Um, I, I will say, though, that they're, they're, if you're using LED light, regardless of the application, there is always a way to, as much as we're, get, we're brightening it up, there's always a way to dim it down. Whether those are with dimming features, similar to a light fixture, um, whether how, how the lights are positioned. 
Um, you know, I know, I know. From Positioning, a, yeah. yeah. And, and it's, well, it's a combination of the three things. The dimming it is reducing the lumen output, the intensity, then the color temperature to soften the color, which is the wave, right. hopefully changing the wavelength that's actually hitting your eye and, um, and then positioning as well, right? Yeah. So in, in, in terms of how the car manufacturers are utilizing that or the capabilities, mm. um, certainly not my expertise. So I'll leave it for the, uh, for, for the car I'm, folks. I'm going to be reaching out. I'm going to be you, reaching out to Stellantis in particular because of the prefabricated electronic fake noise that they're putting yeah, in cars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, so there's, yeah, I've got to have a car discussion, definitely. But, but bringing it back to the home and to offices, which you, which you help yeah. in the home office for sure. Tell us a little bit about, we'll close off with this, unless there's something else you want to add for sure. But what can, what can a customer go and experience now in the Home Depot to better understand lighting and the options? Because I've, I remember rightly, you've got, You've got not only um, at least a couple of rows of fixtures where people can see and then you can see yep. the lights in action, but you've also got bulbs and you can see and you can play with and see the you different color it. temperatures, yeah. right? Uh, uh, yeah. So um, definitely would love to get everyone in, in, into a Home Depot. Um, a great experience, obviously, being in the stores that you've not been to a Home Depot. It just it, it's a buzz. It's an event. But when you're from a uh, from an experience, from a lighting perspective, yes, all of our lighting fixtures in stores are lit. So you can mm -hmm. see them in action. You can see them lit up using different bulb types as well. And different bulb types will produce different looks overall, different uh, color temperatures. But you, you nailed it with our light bulbs. If you head into our stores and head down the light bulb aisles, we have uh, prefabricated light boxes that are placed in uh, a couple of the bays of the aisle there. And you can see the different side by side of the different types of light. So if you've never put a bulb that's soft white versus daylight versus bright white, mm -hmm. wow, that's your aha moment. You will truly understand what we're talking about of the difference of color temperature. Um, some people think temperature, they just think heat. They think like hot, oh, yeah. but it's, it's, it's not just warmth. It's the true color that it puts out, how mm -hmm. you see that color. And because these light boxes are enclosed, you do get a better reflection of the true, um, uh, the true spectrum and the true color that it, that it uh -huh. looks. You're not being impacted by the warehouse lights that are around. So, um, mm. it's a great little kind of uh, experiment, and like I said, yeah. that aha moment. I just thought, you know, if you're if you're redesigning a room right now, you go over to the paint section, you get your yeah. swatches, you bring them over to the light area, and you just look at, and you can look at that same color, say, oh my gosh, this is evening light. This is going to be full daylight. You can get a sense of how differently that color is going to render too, right? You, that's exactly it. And you combine that now with the different color types and temperatures. Yeah. But don't forget, we've actually bulb types have changed too. So it's not just your regular looking bulb. You've got the Edison type, you've got yeah. your linear straight bulb. So now you can actually, once again, getting back to the decor side, yeah. find the right type of light uh, for, for your need, find the right type of bulb for your fixture. And yeah. like I said, find the right type of lighting solution overall that's really personalized to, to, to you, the end user after. So whether that's through a bulb, through a fixture, Using some type, type, some type of smart technology or integration, mm. Mm. like I said, we, we, I think we need to take a step back and think of, of, of light and lighting a little bit differently than we used to think about it 10 or 15 years ago. Um, yeah. And it really is an exciting space to kind of be in, uh, in terms of uh, this category continuing to grow and its, uh, it's, its effect on people globally. I think so too. I was so thrilled to meet you. And I want to just emphasize my experience with Home Depot is that I'm always able to find somebody knowledgeable in the store to help me. So not only the product selection there, but you can find somebody. So ask them the question, go in with my invitation here for people listening is go in with your design specs, what you know, and then go in and look for how to make that best decision. If you're going to put dimmers in, make sure it's if you're getting the compatible dimmer. Like there's a lot of to read with all the labels. So get some help in the store if you need it. It's there for you. And then you can create this happy space with lighting um, at home and at work. <laughs> you know, thanks again, Claire. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's exactly what we're looking for our customers. You know, get into the stores. Um, I'm in the stores once a week soliciting feedback from our customers. The answer is in the stores. The answer is where our consumer is, whether that's in-store or online. But, uh, but uh, you know, happy to see everyone in our stores. 
uh, happy to take any feedback that uh, that you may have and happy to continue to bring you know the right lighting solutions to our uh, to our Canadian customer. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining me today. And I hope everyone listening has really been lit up by this conversation. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all of the Happy Space podcast episodes over at happyspacepod.com. I love learning what resonates with you, so please leave a comment about this episode over social media, or even better, post a review wherever you tune in. And if you have an idea for a topic to explore or an inclusive action to celebrate, I would love to know more about it. It might even appear in an upcoming episode or an issue of the Happy Space newsletter. Please help me spread the word about people doing great things. After all, doesn't everyone deserve a happy space? Thanks so much for watching. Find all of the Happy Space podcast episodes right here in the YouTube playlist. And if you enjoyed this conversation, check out the featured episodes shown right here. Go ahead and share this conversation with someone else who needs to hear it. After all, doesn't everyone deserve a happy space?